I loved being able to speak directly to Nigerians or West Africans in general. Like I don't want to explain, I don't want to to have to um, water it down. Sanitize, yeah. yeah, or sanitize. Like I want to speak to a Nigerian who knows exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying like the soup draws. This is Taste. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Yowande Komalafe is a Berlin-born, Lagos-raised food writer, recipe developer, and food stylist based in Brooklyn. Her new book, My Everyday Lagos, is one of our favorites of the year. Man, it is terrific. And in this episode, we catch up and hear all about the book and about Yowande's work at the New York Times and many other publications. It's such a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Yewande Komalafe, welcome to This Is Taste. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Exciting times here. Your book is out soon. It is. It's like a month out. Ah! <laughs> so how are you feeling? You know, I'm I'm trying to remind myself to be present, to be present in the moment. I've worked on it for about three and a half years. It's yeah. almost as old as my oldest child. Yeah. Um, and so it's strange to see it out in the wild. Um, to see, like, other people holding it and to see other people looking through the thing that was, like, so secretive for so long. But it feels good. If but I, I just want to stay in the moment. It's so great. And, like, small like small victories celebrate, yes. like, you know, it coming out, like, getting an article, you know, doing a podcast. Exactly. You know? So, like, doing things like this makes it real because it's just yeah. been, like, this thing floating in my head for a while. How many trips did you take? Uh, to 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 actually to, for the photography because reportage photography is is really nice and I love how you fold that into the the story. Mm, um, I took zero trips for the photography. Yeah, um, I worked with a location photographer that's based in Sweden, but has had a catalog of photos from Lagos. Yeah, so I worked with Lola Akimade. She is Nigerian. She grew up in Lagos, just like me. Yeah. Um, and she had this wonderful catalog of photos from Lagos that really, that when I saw her catalog of photos, it was also like deep in 2020 when we were having all these discussions. Yeah. So it was like a trip was out the question. Yeah, I know. Um, but when I saw her catalog of photos, I was like, this just makes me feel like I'm back home. Like yeah. that one photo of like the man with like the fishing net. Like I've seen that image so many times and it's like... It has a, a way of, like, just bringing me back to, like, to Lagos. Yeah, I I just think it's it's a credit to you and the vision to, just to have that location photography mm. in there. And then, like, the cover. It's such a beautiful cover. It's definitely, like, non-traditional in terms of, like, <laughs> illustrated covers. And we talk about it a lot in the industry. And Paula Forbes, in her great, um, on her great newsletter, St. Page's News, she wanted to—she's always been pro-illustrated cover. Mm. And so how, how did that happen? Because it's beautiful. Gosh, the— cover um I struggled a lot with what to put on the cover I knew that it did I didn't want it to look like a traditional cookbook but I'm not an art director so I had no idea what it should be but I brought on a wonderful team McCallman Co so I worked with George, George, George. McCallman and I already had an illustrator Diana who was working on like some illustrations within the book um, and this, the cover was like George's idea. I know that the publisher wanted me to be on the cover and I'm yeah. like, oh, that doesn't feel like me. Um, but this is like a way to like be on the cover, but not, <laughs> yeah. or like be on the cover, but in my way. Of, oh my God. I yeah. love George's work. I'm such I a know. fan. I, I love his work and 
Yeah, you are on the cover, so... I know, I am on the cover, but, like, <laughs> this feels like a safer way to be on the cover. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into Lagos and, and the book, but I, I do want to talk, like, like what's good in New York right now? What are you, what are you up to? Oh, what's good in New York? Because I, I would just, like, want to tap in with what, you're, what you've been seeing restaurant-wise, where you've been going. I have just gotten back to New York, so yeah. you're, I'm, like, a week in. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm actually finding out what's good in New York. Um... I think, you know, the farmer's markets are still amazing. Yeah. I just wrote a story about Concord grapes, and I want everybody—I mean, well, by the time this comes out, like, Concord grape season might be gone. Uh, we're going to try to get it up, but, like, listen, it is such a short season here. Yeah, it's like, Concord grape, se- grape season is really short. But yeah. um, the farmer's markets are still excellent. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're always excellent, but, like, in the in the summer, like, you can't— replace that feeling of just being surrounded by the bounty of like fruits and vegetables and like spinach and yeah all, all that good stuff restaurant wise i have to confess I, I haven't really been out recently in new york i love desserts yeah. i love sweets i love cake so like anything i recommend would be along those lines yeah right on right on what was the piece that you wrote about concords what was the take um it was for the New York Times, and it was, uh, I love pieces about nostalgia. I'm such a nostalgic writer. I love food memory. <laughs> yep. I will talk till the day I die about, like, food memories. But I wrote about working at Pies and Thighs and experiencing Concord grapes for the first time and having experienced grape flavor as a child in Nigeria, like, yep. realizing that grape flavor was Concord grapes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so cool you that know? you bring that up. It is it is because I grew up in West Michigan in Welch's. We have a big plant there in Pawpaw, Michigan, where I grew up near where I grew up, and and like the flavor of grape yes. and the grape soda is Concord. Yes. yes, because when I moved here and I had supermarket grapes, I was like, oh, this doesn't really taste like grapes. But then I was working at Pies and Thighs and I had a Concord grape. I was like, oh my god, this is where it's from. That's so, grape yeah, flavor. So I wrote about that. I want to get into your professional career and your classic training, and and you you worked at Pies and Thighs, which I didn't actually know until now. I did. Wow, that place. Rules. I I love yeah. Loved working there. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, but like at, at Milk Bar, you worked there. You were in recipe development, and like let's talk about that. Like in terms of some of the the codes you were cracking, because like that's such a. I mean, that's such a a big job to develop recipes at Milk Bar. Of course, I worked at Milk Bar when it was like a tiny little bakery in the East Village. It was like really early on. I was like pastry cook number five that was mm-hmm. hired there. Um, and I came to Milk Bar with a lot of, like, classic French pastry experience. So I had only worked in, like, French restaurant. I had learned viennoiserie. I had learned pastry art. I had learned how to temper chocolate, all of that stuff. And so I, and I had learned that recipes were not to be messed with. <laughs> I'd learned that, like, my chef Gerard, his father wrote down this recipe with the, these specific metric amounts, and you do not change them, you know. Um, and so I got to Milk Bar, and at that time, and I mean, they still do it now, but at that time, some of the stuff that we were doing was like, let's take kimchi and fold it into butter and make a kimchi butter croissant. Mm. And my mind was just blown. I mm. was like, how dare we take this classic <laughs> French recipe and, yeah. you know, fuck with it. Yeah. Can I say fuck? You sure can. <laughs> you can't, I mean, absolutely want to fuck, like, fuck with, a, with, a, yeah. with any kind of laminated yeah. dough. Um, <laughs> it's going to make any French guy, like, just his skin crawl <laughs> or her skin crawl. It 
but it was it was just like oh my god there was a resistance because I, I am such a Virgo and such a perfectionist mm. that it was like oh my god what are we doing but then I came around to it and I realized that I loved it I loved seeing how far I could push a recipe and I feel like that's what I really took from Milk Bar Tosi really allowed us to play yeah. with ingredients and play with food and know that the the limits of a recipe are just that and whatever is in the middle could be whatever. It's really, really smart. Yeah. And and that's like an approach that I still use to this day. It's such a smart way to say it. Can you look at like a a corn cookie anymore? Can you even like look at those things or did you just have, would you overload on those? I still love the corn cookie. It's it's my favorite. It's buttery and salty and yeah, I still love the corn cookie. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite. Um, you're at the Times now, New York Times. I am. The Times, Grey Lady, New York Times. You're a columnist in food. What is that role? I love, I love reading you in the Times. But tell me a little bit about that role. Um, it's wonderful. I'm a staff writer. I get to write about food. I get to write about. I always wanted a job where all aspects of my training could meet, and I feel like it's doing that at the Times. Like I get to write about pastry. I get to write about Nigerian food or West African food. Yeah. Um, I get to write quick weeknight meals, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so it's this, like, confluence of, like, all the experience that I've had in the food industry um, that I get to write about, which is so much fun. How does it work in terms of story ideas with those guys? Are you are you in general story meetings and pitching? Yeah, there's, like, pitching. Yeah. We, have, we have, like, meetings where we pitch. We have meetings where we just, like, talk about ideas. It's um, What are you working on? Right now, I, holiday stuff. Yeah. yeah like, it's, yeah. like... I don't really celebrate the holidays, so yeah. it's, like, kind of funny. So I'm like, Sh- shit, what can I write about Thanksgiving as a as a person who doesn't really celebrate Thanksgiving? Yeah. Um, so I usually, with the holidays, try to, like, bring other people into my stories and just write about, like, what they're doing with the American holidays. I like that because you, you talked about memory and, and writing about like, nostalgia, and you probably yeah. have a real opportunity to do that. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, one of your Times pieces that I, I think is really, really like struck me when it was published was your the 10 essential Nigerian recipes. I mean, the package is gorgeous. I was talking to Eliza, my colleague and co-host about it. And like really for both of us, it felt like a really big moment for food media to offer that in 2019 to like the New York Times readership. Mm. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you picked the 10 recipes and how that story came about. Yeah, gosh, it was so difficult to pick 10 recipes. I think it was working on that piece that I discovered there's not really a thing called Nigerian food. Like the the concept of Nigerian food is it's it's sort of like a great like this grand illusion. There's Yoruba food, there's Igbo food. Like Nigerian food is so regional that the idea of like an umbrella term for it is only so that it can be easily digestible in this market. You know, and so picking the recipes, I wanted to try to get recipes from all the regions of Nigeria. Um, I wanted to make sure to be inclusive across the board. Um, But I also just wanted to include things that I loved and things that I missed about Nigeria, because by that time I had only been back to Nigeria once. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was, again, food memory. It's like, what did my grandma make? Or like when I think about Nigerian food or when I go out to eat Nigerian food, what are the things that I ask for? And so that those 
those are like the things that like led me yeah. to my decisions for those 10 recipes. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. And, and when it was published, what was the response like? I mean, 2019. 2019, I think it was amazing. Great. It was, yeah, like people just loved, you know, one thing I tried to do with my writing is speak directly to the, to my audience. Yeah. Um, I loved being able to speak directly to Nigerians or West Africans in general. Like I don't want to explain. I don't want to to have to um, water it down. Sanitize, yeah. Yeah, or sanitize. Like, I want to speak to a Nigerian who knows exactly what I'm talking about when I'm saying, like, the soup draws, you know? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. so it was, it, the reception was wonderful. It was it was great. I think in, in your book, too, it seems like there's, like, the uncompromised approach to it, and I feel like there is no, like, that's why I learned a lot from mm-hmm. it. And I feel mm-hmm. like you were, you were really educating. And then, and then the, ni- the 19 piece, the 2019 piece did that as well. Mm, thank you. Let's go back and, and talk about growing up. Um, what was food like growing up for you? Mm. I didn't think much about it. Like, I didn't... I know that I loved being around food. I loved ingredients. I would inspect ingredients. Um, I learned that from my mom. My mom was a food scientist, and she just... She would have all sorts of ingredients in the house. She Mm. would, like, read the labels, like, want to know what's in things. Um, So I learned that from my mom. But I also know that I was drawn to cooking and baking especially. Um... But I, I didn't really consider it, you know. Um, yeah. We had we lived in a city, kind of like New York City. But my dad had like a working farm, like it worked like an urban <laughs> farm. Is this what city? Yeah, and we lived in Lagos. Lagos. But yeah. like my dad had, we had like chickens and pigs yeah. and goats, and like we would grow spinach and all kinds yeah. of leafy greens. Um, and I remember one moment. I remember was that like. My mom would be like, oh, can you go get some spinach from the backyard for dinner? And I would be like, why do I always have to go pick spinach? Like, why can't we just get spinach from the market? Or why do we why do we have to squeeze orange juice out of oranges? Why can't we be cool and get <laughs> orange juice in cartons? Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and now I, like, miss that life. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we call it an urban oasis. You write about it in the book. You, call, yeah, you refer to it yeah, as that. Yeah, it was totally. And, I, you know, when I go back home, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so great. They, like, they still they still do that. They still have, like, plantain and banana trees growing. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty house. amazing. Yeah, it's, house? like, so green. It's not the same house, yeah. but it's the same, like, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you moved to the United States in 1998 as a student, and, you know, I'd like to know when you arrive in the 90s, what's what's it like for you as, as arriving in the States and, and feeling, um, you know, a new type of energy and new mm. reality? I'm piecing that together now. Got it. I feel like I moved here. I was so young. Um, I wasn't really making any decisions for myself. It was like I was kind of a robot being told what to do. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to the U.S. and, like, I'm going to go to school there. Um, mm-hmm. And so... It, it was just a flood of emotions. I remember being afraid, but I also remember saying, like, I'm here. I fucking have to do this. And I, like, did it. And I kind of just, like, that was my focus until I would say about 2015, 2016, yeah. when I, like, broke myself away from that. And I was like, okay, let me deal with the past, like, 15 years yeah. and, like, start parsing through. And the book is kind of—it goes into that. And it's it was— 
It was difficult to write because I had to, like, revisit a lot of things that I hadn't in so long. But it was also, like, therapeutic. Yeah, I mean, getting so. those uh, those feelings out. Yeah. Where did you go to school? I went to University of Maryland, yeah. Baltimore County. In, in Baltimore County. In Baltimore County. Yeah. So what was what was that, like, the, the weather and the um, food like there? Oh gosh, I remember experience. I mean, I was born in Berlin, so I had seen yeah. snow before, but I didn't really remember it. Yeah. Um, so I remember experiencing snow for the, same, for the first time yeah. and thinking I could go out in a T-shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You know, um, I remember being just like amused by grocery stores because everything was so sanitary and so sanitized. And like, yeah, I remember looking at like packs of like chicken thighs and being like, where's the rest of the chicken? Oh, or, right. or like the fish? Like, where's the like, where's the fish? Head? There's no heads. Right? Yeah. There's, no heads there's the like bodies. no head. Yeah. Like, what do they do with the rest of it? Things just tasted weird. Like, I don't remember liking food in the way I did or enjoying it in the way that I did at home. I remember thinking that um, I think I, I had a um, like a burger or something. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. Like, and I had heard of burgers yeah. from TV. Right. But, like, having it was a completely different experience. Of course, it looked nothing like it did on TV. Well, no, of course. You probably had a fast food, and you're like, yo, what is this gray material? What is this? But I remember also being, like, so – I was like, oh, my God, all the candy, all the, like, Coke, um, like, like, you know, soda, all the soda I want. um, Like, the candy was fascinating. It was Mm. just like, oh, my God, all the candy I want, all the baked goods. Like, I remember going to Dunkin' Donuts and, like, ordering donuts. Yeah, getting, like, Um, a dozen donuts. Yeah, Box, yeah, yeah, or like, like the the little munchies. Oh, munch. Uh, yeah, like the donut holes. Yeah, don- yeah, being like, oh my god, I have twelve of this to yeah. myself. You know. Yeah. The, so the, there was that like experience too. Wow. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, this 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 like introduction to American food through through Munchkins is really. <laughs> It's got to be yeah. a little bit of a, a little bit of a shocker. Yeah, and that summer, there like Dunkin' Donuts was was running a promotion on culottes. I don't know if yeah. they even have them. The, yeah, now, but it was this like slushy type drink, yeah. and it was like fascinating. So, how did you get into food as a profession in culinary school and yeah. learning the trades, and and then ended up working in in professional kitchens? Yeah. So after college, I graduated college, um, and I had come across a flyer for like a culinary arts school and it occurred to me that I could go get a degree in culinary arts but be a chef yeah and I was like yes because I knew I wanted to work in food um my mom as a food scientist had done like biochemistry and aced it and I tried taking some chemistry classes and I like I hated it. Yeah. Um, and so I switched my major to biopsychology. Um, so I knew I wanted to work in food. And when I came across that flyer, I just sort of like held on to it. And I was like, I'm going to apply to culinary arts school. And there was one in Baltimore. So I applied there. I started working at a Nigerian restaurant because I needed like restaurant experience yeah. to go. Um, and kind of the rest is history. Like I, I went through culinary arts school. I aced culinary arts school. I was so good at it. Yeah. Like for the first time. What were you I, drawn towards? What part of the oh my culinary God. program? Um, everything. I was just Great. so excited to be there because I felt yeah. like I understood the language. Yeah. You know, I think the first four years of college, I was still processing like being torn from Nigeria um, and just like trying to process the culture shock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of I feel like I just kind of passed through college like I was just doing it to do it. Yeah. And it was your, your parents wanted you to go. Yeah, like my parents wanted me to go. They both have like master's degrees, yeah. and you know, um, but 
Yeah, I, I remember being at culinary arts school and finally being able to speak that language and understand it. And I was like, oh, my God, this, like, this has been waiting for me. I love it. Um, and I just worked in restaurants after that. You just worked in restaurants? Yeah. Was that Nigerian restaurant? Did you did you connect with the food there? Was it your style of cooking? Yeah, yeah. It was. It really taught me how to make Nigerian food in America. Yeah. And all the substitutions that you had to do to to – because this was like back in like – 2002, 2003. Yeah. So I think ingredients at that time were not as available as they are now. Um, so we did a lot of substituting, but it was it was still great to see. I, I remember asking my friend, who she's like my friend now, um, just like my sister. But I remember asking, like, where do you get these ingredients from? Like, oh my god, <laughs> like, like how are you? Where are you do? How are you doing yeah. this? So it really opened my eyes to like the Nigerian community in yeah. America. Well, um, I want to talk about your great book because it feels like. Um, it's it's a moment right now to to have um, these recipes codified in in a in a cookbook, mm. and you know we talked about the difficulty of, of picking the ten for the times piece back in twenty nineteen. So let me ask you, the recipe selection. How did you come across, like come like up with the the list of recipes for this book, and mm-hmm. and really like how did you think about progressing it? Mm. Um, because you call it every day or my everyday Lagos, so you gotta like keep with that that thesis Theme. right yeah, yeah no totally um so i started writing this book right after my last trip to nigeria which was in 2020 we flew back into the pandemic and we had spent three weeks there with my husband and my daughter my first daughter um and it was like I really got to experience Lagos because I was doing a bunch of paperwork. I needed a new passport, so I would go with my dad in traffic and sit and, you know, and like we would order food from like the buka while we were wait- while we were waiting for this passport to be done. And I got to experience like a Monday through Friday just like as an adult mm-hmm. in like commuting. Yeah. Um, and then on the weekends, this was pre-COVID, we would like go out to events or, or like my parents would have like friends who are celebrating something. And so when I came back and I was thinking of the structure of the book, it made sense to me to go from like Monday through Sunday. Um, also, Fela has this great song, the, mm. the Afrobeat King. He has this great song. um, that's called Monday Morning in Lagos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like after the weekend and after all the celebrating and partying, like Monday Morning in Lagos is just as hectic, but in a different way. That's such a great song. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, did you see the musical? Like maybe 15 years I, ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, like a while Fela? ago. Yeah, like 15. Yeah, I yeah. saw, I saw that. that. That was, was really so great. good. Yeah. I wish I wish would redo that. That was a moment. Yeah. That was a moment. Was a moment. doing the music. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> um but yes, I, I when I came back and I was thinking about the way to structure the the book again because the concept of Nigerian food didn't really make sense. I decided to focus on Lagos one because I grew up there, two because that's where I have the most food memories from, and three because Lagos is is a it's a strange little place in a way because you find people from all over Nigeria there. It's like a seat of commerce. It's always been. Um, and so you find food and culture and and just like the the social fabric is made up of people from all over Nigeria. Um, and so you find regional specialties in ways that you don't find in other parts of Nigeria. Yeah. Um, going through it 
in the sense of a week kind of like gave me that feel of like the chaos and the energy, which I, I was really trying to bring into this I, book. I, I, I see that now and I appreciate you kind of articulating the vision for it and going day by day. Mm-hmm. Let's zoom out a little bit. Talk about the just the flavors of Nigerian cooking. I think uh, many of our listeners may not have ever been to a Nigerian restaurant or, mm-hmm. or a Nigerian dish, but what are some of the like cornerstone flavors and maybe ingredients that we're thinking about? Mm. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is red palm oil. Yeah. It's um, an indigenous crop that, and it's it's um, gosh, there's there's nothing to describe the flavor of red palm oil. It's like floral, but it's it's also got some depth to it, and it just adds it just coats every dish that you make it with, yeah. with like a this like floral, this like very distinct floral. Um, Flavor. It's like a seasoning. It's, like, it's yeah, yeah. Red like, palm oil is kind yeah. of like a seasoning. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but that's one thing that I would say is a cornerstone. Also, iru, which is also called fermented locust bean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's um it's a fermented product, a fermented seed. So it's got a really strong and deep flavor. And I think that that's what I appreciate about Nigerian food is the ability to layer deep flavors and still have it make sense. Yeah, right on. I you know? That. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we have palm oil, we have iru, we have um, stockfish, which is a dried yep. fish. We sometimes use crayfish. So there's a lot of like deep, floral, mm-hmm. earthy, musty flavors that all get put in one dish and the dish still makes sense. Absol- and it's like, that's technique. Definitely. And you know? And to like really have distinct, uh, and it's obviously delicious. Yeah. I mean, that's the number one thing. Like yeah. people want to eat it, but it's also distinct. I mean, I think about tamarind paste. Tamarind, I think that was, yes. it, in your book, you, you come back to tamarind paste and, you know, let's talk about that, having tamarind paste around and cooking with it. Yeah, tamarind paste. Tamarind paste, I feel like, is an ingredient that adds body. Yeah. But, like, not body in the, in the like, butter sense. Like, body in that it, it just, like, enhances the dish and makes it rounder. I think of flavors as, like, shapes sometimes. Um but yeah, it also has these like gen- this gentle sourness yeah, that right I on. love. It's like earthy and gentle. So if you need a sourness that and but you don't want it to be as bright as lemon or vinegar, tamarind paste is like a lovely way to go. And how do you buy it and store it? And how do we cook mm. with it more? Um, you you can buy it in different ways. You can buy it as whole pods. Yeah. And then shell the pods and soak the seeds inside it. So when you have tam when you buy tamarind whole, it's like there's a shell on it. And then there's like a meaty, fleshy seed on the inside. And to extract the tamarind paste, you just pour hot water over it Mm -hmm. and soak it and then extract the liquid from it. And that's your tamarind. That's what you use. Mm -hmm. You discard the seed and the shells and all that. Just train it out. Um, Okay. But yeah, you can buy it as a paste already that like that step's already done for you at the market. Or you can buy it as a concentrate, which I found. Sometimes it says tamarind paste, but it's actually a concentrate. Mm-hmm. And it's so much deeper and acidic than if you were using the paste. Yeah. So there are different forms in which you can find it at the market. And that's pretty readily available, grocery that, stores. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's zoom out again and just talk about you know writing this book for a wide audience. You know you're speaking to Nigerians, you're speaking to Africans, you're speaking to African Americans, but you're also speaking to a, a general everybody really. So I guess what's your assessment of of you know a hurdle um, to get a wide and large audience to cook sub-Saharan African dishes? 
I think that they already do. Great. You know, I feel like the, so what I want people to take from this book is that this is everyday food in Nigeria and across the world, even here in America in the diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, this is everyday food. There are people who cook this food every day for lunch, for dinner, for breakfast. Um, so I, 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 you know, if it's not something that you're accustomed to, learn about it and cook it. Like, But I, I don't know that it's a... Um, it's insurmountable. Yeah. You know, like it's like people are already doing that. People are already cooking it every day. People are, have already figured out shortcuts to like long methods. It's, it's just like any other food culture. It's it's just something that people eat every day. I, and thank you for like being very clear about that because I think I was trying to get you to go in that direction because you definitely the skill of this book is the way you write it and make it accessible mm. and, and explaining how products are around us everywhere and, and yeah. folks are cooking these recipes everywhere. Yep. Now some of the dishes might be unfamiliar to us, mm-hmm. to some, some readers. But, but that the does, ingredients are already there. Yes, you know? yes, yes, exactly. Um, one ingredient, and I just want you to get a sense, I think, like, fried plantains. Um, <laughs> I, I just was in Austin, Texas. I went to a restaurant called Kanje. Mm-hmm. This amazing, um, you know, chef who was doing fried plantains. And I was like, I need to start doing this more at home because <laughs> when it hits, it hits, right? Yeah, What's totally. your style? I think a lot of our okay. listeners may, may want to actually do some plantains. <laughs> My style is a little... Um... <laughs> <laughs> So I love prime plantains when they're completely black on the outside, yep. which is very controversial. What do you mean? <laughs> well, some people like them a little yellow. Some people like them a little black or, you yeah. know, on the outside. I love them completely black. Like I want dessert plantains, you know, because when right. they're completely black, like when you fry them, it caramelizes on the outside. Yeah. The inside is all nice. And I'm always searching for sugar. So, yeah. so my plantains, I just leave them in a paper bag and let them go completely black and nice and tender. And then I fry them in hot oil. The oil needs Red to be palm. hot. Um, I actually don't fry them in palm oil. Yeah. Um, I fry them in just like regular, like a neutral oil, neutral, like neutral. a grapeseed grape seed. Ve- vegetable oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, my thing is that I, I love sweet plantains. So if... They're not completely black on the outside, then I'm not frying them. But some other people might like them yellow and black or just yellow. So you fry them and you're taking them out and straining them out and putting them, you know, on maybe a pad or something. And then what are you doing? Are you just eating them or is there a way to— Just eating them. Just no. Yeah. Just eat. Sometimes I eat the whole plantain before, like, I sit down to the meal, you know. Obviously. Like, I eat it right right out, like, right when it's, like, draining on the paper towel. I mean, when you're cooking fried foods as a home cook, you're eating half of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just what you do. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, a dish, um, Iwakadezi, it's it's this chicken dish, and, man, I stopped on it, and I was like, this is amazing. And you use something called Trinity pepper paste, and I wanted to get a sense of this uh, paste that you've, created as a kind of a sub recipe that you used throughout. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this dish a bit. Yes, Trinity, that is one of the cornerstones of Nigerian cooking. And it's um it's an ingredient. It's a it's a trio of ingredients that I call Trinity pepper paste because it's it's like fundamental. It's a chili, a scotch bonnet. Yeah. Um it's crayfish, dried crayfish, um, and then mm. it's um iru or dawa dawa powder. Mm. Um, and I pound that into a paste and I always just have that in a jar. Yeah. And if I want to add spice to, to my cooking, then I do. It's also a way to control the amount of spice you add to cooking. 
um, because now I have kids who are growing up in America. Yeah. They're not as like, tummies are a little sensitive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're not as used to like Scotch bonnets as yeah. I was growing up. Um, and so I don't always just like throw a Scotch bonnet in there. Um, sometimes I just have the paste in the in the refrigerator and I like add it in little bits to, and you could eat it raw or you could just like fry it a little in, Put in like oil. a little bit of oil, or you could just like um throw a spoon or two in whatever you're cooking to to give it some. It sounds. I mean, having the cray in there and, and like is this with the shells? It's kind of like the way. No, so we have a crayfish powder that's like powder. Gra- yeah, it's like ground. You could get them whole, but I usually just buy the powder. Yeah. Um. So you have a crayfish powder that's like already ground. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing um. You know, spice blend to have around the Trinity. It it yeah. is. Yeah, it's like it just adds this layer of depth to. It. I feel like so that's cool. what gives it the Nigerian essence. Uh, that and palm oil yep, is what yep. what gives it the Nigerian essence. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. This is really cool. <laughs> it's like you're making me want to really just cook cook from this. Amazing! No. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear your your absolutely own reviews when you do cook. I will, and um, we often neglect the 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 last recipe in a cookbook, but not here. So on page two hundred seventy two, you have recipe for citrus health tonic. So yes, yes. let's give that. You know, it's shine right now. Let's talk about it. (laughs) I love it. I am secretly a witchy woman, and I love my tinctures and my tonics, and I love growing herbs and vegetables to, like, distill into into tonic. So this is like a little slice of that. Yeah. This is this gets me through the winter really. Um because my body's just not designed for winters. So like this is something that I like it's it's just like a lemongrass tea with all the citrus yeah. and honey and whatever tastes good and you just drink it it's like a broth that you drink, sip yeah. on. So lemongrass citrus. It's like lemongrass and then all kinds of citrus um that you yeah. like make like a tea basically you like bring to a boil dump all the fruit in it and then steep it um and then strain it and add some honey to it it sounds amazing it sounds like a little bit korean yuzu cha like a korean Mm. style uh citrus honey tea too uh what do you mean by like low-key sneaky witchy oh are we are we are we thinking a witchy cookbook (laughs) oh hmm Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. Well, maybe. What, what, do you, what, what draws you to, to this? For real, like, very curious. Like, what, what, yeah. tell me a little bit about that. So, okay, so my last trip to to Lagos, I, I went on this trip to the market with my mom. And I've always been, like, drawn to, to nature and, like, plants and what food can do for us beyond just, like, nourishing. Like, I'm always, like, steeping mint leaves or, like, lemongrass or, like, don't throw away those orange peels. Like, I want to use it for a tincture. Um, And we went to the market and we go to this part of the market where it's a bunch of ladies who have, like, just a bunch of, like, things that look like barks and, and wood pieces. And, and, my mom starts talking to one of them and she looks at me and she's like, oh, you need this, this and this and this. Whoa. And like, (laughs) and all the things that she picked out for me were blood building. And she was able to read me just by looking at me, but in like a, in like a, what does my body need kind of way? Like she didn't need to talk to me. And so I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, the earth provides for us. Like, Yes, I believe in Western medicine, of mm-hmm. course. Like, I go to the doctor, all that. But I also believe that there's this element of the earth, which it provides for us exactly what we need. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's blending both. And, yeah. And, and the fact you recognize this and as a, as a food professional writer, journalist, 
be curious about mm-hmm. your take on it. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking me about that. Sure. That's, yeah, that's that's where the citrus health tonic. Yuende, let me ask you, what's what are you working on? I mean, you just got this big book book coming out, but what, what you know, you talked about the times. Like, what, what's coming yeah. up for you? Oh gosh, well, I'm going to Lagos, which I'm really excited for for part of my book tour, and I'm Great. super excited to do some reporting on the ground yeah. in Lagos. Street food, eat eat all the things like. One thing I remember about being there is how much my senses were just on fire. It's just like visually, like so audibly, um, like tasting things. I, and I'm excited to be on the ground as a reporter yeah. and, and do some work out there. That, I can't wait to read those those stories that come <laughs> out of that. What's the event that you're planning right now in, in, in Lagos? Oh, so we're planning to do a um, book event at Book Nook. It's a bookstore in, in Victoria Island. And then we're planning to do a, a menu takeover with Chef Michael Elegbade at his restaurant, Itan. Great. Oh, cool. I mean, bringing that book to, back to Lagos and having— I know. It. I felt like I had to. Like, it's yeah. about Lagos. Like, I absolutely have to go. On This Is Taste, we ask guests about their discerning tastes. So to close this interview, here's a little rapid-fire Fast and Furious taste check. Are you ready? <laughs> I am so ready, but I should say that <laughs> I don't— like best of, I I'm gonna try, but okay. I, it's like asking me to pick a favorite child. It's like yeah. I can tell you what I like or like things that that can make the list, but it's not like the only thing that I. That's a great yeah. caveat. Yeah. And, and you're smart. You're like a very timesy, and you know I'm staying objective here. <laughs> very diplomatic. I feel this is diplomatic. <laughs> this is the way to to be the you know the the capital J journalist. <laughs> All right, so we can. I, I will say best. I will be hyperbolic in the question, but listener, we are handshaking right now that this is not the best, but is it preferred? Okay, the best in pastry with coffee. Queen Amon. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a favorite in New York at all that comes to mind? Where to get it, or anywhere? I have a favorite in Montreal. Oh, okay. Where yeah, at? it's at the Patisserie de Queen Amon. It's. Um, I wrote about the chef Nicolas Henry. Yeah. And he makes a phenomenal Queen Amon. The best dessert. Best dessert. I like cake. Yeah. Just in general, just cake in general. And I, I like it to be uninterrupted. So like no nuts, no no like interruption. <laughs> food interrupted. Un, sorry, food uninterrupted is like food, so smart. Yeah. So like don't put nuts in it. Don't like just don't mess it up. Just yeah, cake. Like for me, it was like Reese's cups, like when they start throwing things into the it, cups. So you you get it. Like I just yes. yeah, like just, don't yeah. Like don't add like little Reese's pieces yeah. into the Reese's into, cup. Yeah. And I I like cake with buttercream and not oh, yeah. any other kind of icing. Uh, buttercream, 100% for me. Um, the best bread. Bread. So it's got to be sourdough. Yeah. yeah. Do you make a lot of it? Uh, actually, no. Yeah. I don't have a starter right now. Okay. Oh, but you know what? I also like sweet, like, like I like brioche. I like agege yeah. bread, which is like a sweet, dense pound pound cake type bread it's actually i have a recipe for it in the book but yeah i like like sweet heavy breads as well do you make a lot of bread yourself is that i love baking so yeah yeah, i do your 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 skill yeah uh the best music to play at a dinner party this could be a band this could be a genre Afrobeats. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Afrobeats. Do you have a Spotify public playlist? Um, I don't. Actually, I'm not on Spotify. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. fair. <laughs> like, I feel like I should be. I don't but know. Yeah. <laughs> should I be? <laughs> I mean, maybe. But but so do you have a favorite Afrobeat artist? Mm, no. no. I All like right. the genre. Just, just, just the genre. I love yeah. it. Okay. So uh, I'm not even going to say this. A, a, a favorite cookbook of all time. 
<laughs> a favorite, a favorite. A f- one of my favorite cookbooks is the Martha Stewart baking cookbook. Mm. It's like orange. It's got a picture of her on the cover. Obviously, I've used that cookbook so much. It's so great for classic recipes, mm-hmm. like classic um, like French techniques or, or like classic American recipes. Yeah. yeah, I've learned so much from that book. I love that call. I've, I'm unfamiliar just off the top of my head with that book. Yeah. And um, have you met Martha? I've not. Okay. I've Martha, not. let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> publisher here. You guys share a publisher. Oh, fun. Um, okay, your favorite recent or a favorite recent cookbook discovery? Oh, gosh. Rambutan. Oh, I have been cooking from that. Yes, yes. That I'm dying to go to her restaurant in the UK. I got to go. Um, (gasps) I was very fortunate to be there in June. Oh my God, yeah. I made her plantains that were curried. I didn't even know plantains could curry like that. Like it was amazing. It's a great book. It's one of my favorites of recent time. Thank you for calling that out. Your favorite city to visit for food? Right now it's Montreal, just because I just got back from there. Um, such good food. The summertime in Montreal is amazing. Farmer's Ooh, markets. Jean Talon. Oh. Yeah. Jean Talon. <laughs> like, yeah. All, all of that. And I all feel like that. the dairy tastes different. Like the butter yeah. is just like richer and saltier. Yeah. There's just like so much good food. There. Were you there for a little while? Did you spend Yeah, we were there for almost a month. Yeah, yeah. It's a great August. It's, it was like perfect. Amazing. The weather was amazing. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. A favorite New York City restaurant classic edition. Classic edition. Like something that you I love Frenchette. Yeah, it's a modern club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I love Frenchette. I I just, yeah, I love their tartare there. Um, I love their fries there. Um, Yeah, I I love that restaurant. It's great. A couple more. Your favorite vegetable? (laughs) I wrote all about how I don't like vegetables. Um, Yeah. Okay. My favorite. Okay, so I would say a carrot because I could roast it and get it all nice and sweet. Yep. And it's the fall. So, yeah. I'll, it's I'll a say, great. And, yeah, carrots. And, and they also, like, take on sauces and vinaigrettes really well. Last one, your favorite sandwich? Favorite sandwich. Huh. I don't eat a lot of sandwiches, I, I think. The, the fried chicken biscuit at Pies and Thighs. It comes with a pat of honey butter and, like, some um, hot sauce on it. Really good. I always think I can't finish it, but I sit there and finish the whole thing. It's the chicken there... What's the secret that you can say on the record? Anything? I can't tell you. You can't tell me. <laughs> yeah. Didn't take the bait. Trying to be trying to be the reporter yeah, here. <laughs> you want to come alafe? Thank you for joining. This is taste. This was so lovely. Thank you so much for having me. This is Taste is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbard. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.